Christ Community Church, located at 25th and Thomas Avenue in Portsmouth, Ohio. Christ Community meets on Saturday at 5 p.m. and Sunday at 10.30 a.m. For more information, visit www.christcommunity.net or check out our Facebook page. Well, good morning, Christ Community Church. Hope you're all safe and well. Um, I know a lot of you have messaged me or posted on Facebook that you've asked, you know, what can you do during this time? Um, Megan and I have been calling people, especially older folks at home, checking in on them. So far, so good. But we're early into this thing. And so, you know, I'll let you know. I promise you, I will let you know. But for now, we're going to keep working through the Word of God. We're in the Gospel of Luke. We're in chapter 9. We're going to start at verse 28. So, open your Bibles or your Bible app or whatever it is that you use, and let's jump in and continue working through the Gospel of Luke. We will finish up chapter 9 this morning. Ready to go? All right, here we go. About eight days after Jesus said this, and by said this, if you remember how we finished last week, Jesus was talking to his disciples, and he said, there are some here who will live long enough to see the kingdom of God revealed, and, and we're about to see what some scholars say is exactly what he was talking about. So he took, he being Jesus, Peter, John, and James with him, went up onto a mountain to pray. And as he was praying, the appearance of his face changed, and his clothes became as bright as a flash of lightning. Two men, Moses and Elijah, appeared in glorious splendor, talking with Jesus. They spoke about his departure. Now, uh, I quibble sometimes with the NIV, and I'm going to quibble there. Um, NIV is pretty good translation of the Greek and the Hebrew. But here, it says, talked about his Moses and Elijah, uh, and the way they're talking in the Greek, they're, they're showing um, that Jesus is superior in the way that they're talking, that, that the English just doesn't bring across. But the word is not departure. It says that Moses and Elijah spoke to Jesus about his exodus, his exodus. Now, you remember what the Exodus was if you've read your Old Testament or if you've seen the movie with Charlton Heston or Prince of Egypt or whatever. God's people enslaved in Egypt. God acts powerfully to free them from slavery and then leads them to the promised land. What does Jesus do? Jesus frees us from our enslavement to sin and leads us to an eternity with God. They're speaking about his exodus. And this is about to, uh, which was about to bring fulfillment, <clears throat> sorry, having trouble getting out this morning, aren't I? To bring to fulfillment at Jerusalem. So he's going to the cross. Peter and his companions were very sleepy. But when they became fully awake, they saw his glory and the two men standing with him. And as, the men, as they, the men were leaving Jesus, Peter said to him, Master, it is good for us to be here. Let us put up three, now the NIV says shelters. Again, I'm going to quibble with that. Actually, what Peter says is, let us put up three tabernacles. That's important. Come back to that in a second. Three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. He did not know what he was saying. Now, sometimes that has been taken as that Peter was just babbling. Uh, maybe he was. He did have a tendency to run off at the mouth. 
But I don't think so. When it says that, he says, let's put up three tabernacles. I think when it says he didn't know what he was saying, that this was a movement of the Holy Spirit through Peter. I don't think that he was just saying something stupid off the top of his head. But we'll come back to that. Verse 34. Now, while he was speaking, a cloud appeared and covered them. Some, some denominations call this the Shekinah glory of God. And they were afraid as they entered the cloud. And a voice came from the cloud saying, This is my son whom I have chosen. Listen to him. And the voice had spoken. They found that Jesus was alone. The disciples kept this to themselves, did not tell anyone at that time what they had seen because they're, they're frightened. They're, they're, they're scared. To come into the power of God without the presence of the Holy Spirit within you is a frightening, frightening thing. So what's the point of all this? Well, first is this. Um, I don't think there's any way I can accurately kind of describe what the disciples saw in the transfiguration. I just don't think there's any way I can get that across to you. Some things just have to be experienced. I remember an old story, probably apocryphal, but when Napoleon invaded Russia, he was separated for a time from his men. He was being chased by Russian soldiers. He went into a town, and he ran into a fur shop and begged the owner, said, you know, I'm being chased. Help me. Save me. And so the owner just kept piling furs on top of him, and a few minutes later, some Russian soldiers came in looking for him. And so they even began poking into the fur with bayonets. And after they had left and some of uh, Napoleon's soldiers showed up, they walked into the, the fur shop and, and they dusted off their commander and, and uh, the shop owner said, what, what was that like? And Napoleon, who had a fiery temper, whipped his head around and said, how dare you speak to the emperor that way? Take him outside blindfolding. And so they did. They lined up loaded their guns as if they were going to shoot the man. Then all of a sudden, Napoleon whipped the blindfold off the man and said, that's how it felt. Some things can only be experienced. But the point of the transfiguration is this, and what Peter is saying. God had left the temple in the Old Testament. And Jews every day, especially at this time that Jesus is walking the earth, prayed that God would return. And in God's earliest way of dwelling with mankind, with Israel anyway, was in a tabernacle. A tabernacle was, uh, and God gave instructions on how it was to be built. It was a large tent, and within the tent was the Ark of the Covenant. And God promised that his presence would dwell there so that the high priest could come in and make offerings and, 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 and pray to God on behalf of the people. What Peter is saying without knowing it is, Jesus is that tabernacle. We now can approach God with our offerings and with our prayers because of Jesus Christ. He is the connection. He is the bridge. So though Peter didn't know what he was saying, what he's saying was important. The next day, in verse 37, when they came down the mountain, a large crowd met him. A man in the crowd called out, Teacher! I beg you to look at my son, for he is my only child. A spirit seizes him, and he suddenly screams. It throws him into convulsions so that he foams at the mouth. It scarcely ever leaves him and is destroying him. Now keep that in mind. That's important. 
Verse 40, I begged your disciples to drive it out, but they could not. Jesus is going to get a little upset with his disciples here because they were probably showing off instead of praying to God for the boy to be healed. And so, you unbelieving and perverse generation, Jesus replied, how long shall I stay with you and put up with you? Bring your son here. And even while the boy was coming, the demon threw him to the ground in a convulsion. But Jesus rebuked, you know, I don't like that word, rebuked the impure spirit, healed the boy, and gave him back to his father. What he really did was just say, stop. And the demon stopped. And he healed him. And all were amazed at the greatness of God. We have just seen Jesus in his heavenly state in the transfiguration, shining like lightning. Now he comes down from the mountain, and he sees a boy. Why does he see the boy? Because the father yells, look, look, Jesus. He doesn't say, Jesus, please heal my child. He says, just look at him. He's being destroyed. The man knows that Jesus just looks at someone in distress, he will have compassion. He says his only son, and he's being destroyed. Now, as we're going to see in a minute, Jesus is now setting his face to Jerusalem. He is now saying, my job is to go to the cross, to pay the penalty for the sins of all the faithful. The irony here is this. Jesus looks upon a father's only son and has compassion. Because the demon is destroying him. God looks at us with compassion and destroyed his only son for us. And so why we see Jesus in his heavenly state, powerful, frightening. Remember the compassion that God has had on us. Let's keep going. While everyone was marveling at all that Jesus did, he said to his disciples... Listen carefully to what I'm about to tell you. The Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of men. But they did not understand what this meant. It was hidden from them. God hid this from them. Why? Why would God do that? Maybe it was because that, uh, that he needed the disciples out of the way in order to accomplish his mission. I, do, I don't know. But here's what I do know. They will come to understanding. They will come to understanding, though, only after an empty tomb and the coming of the Holy Spirit. We, too, only really come to understanding through the work of the Holy Spirit. So they did not grasp it, and they were afraid to ask him about it. Now here they're about to drop the ball again, verse 46. An argument started among the disciples as to which of them would be the greatest. Jesus, knowing their thoughts, took a little child... And like an infant, like two, maybe three years old. And had him stand beside him. And then he said to them, whoever welcomes this little child in my name. Now remember that phrase. Doesn't mean that there's something magical or supernatural or Harry Potterish about using the name of Jesus. In the name, during that time, at that place, meant according to my purpose, my goal. Who welcomes a little child in my name welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me, welcomes the one who sent me. For it is the one who is least among you who is the greatest. Come back to that. Master said, John, we saw someone driving out demons in your name. We tried to stop him because he is not one of us. Do not stop him, Jesus said. Whoever is not against you is for you. 
the disciples start fighting like little children, ironically, over who is the greatest. And Jesus takes like a two or three-year-old and says, this is what it's like to be the greatest. Now, this, these verses have been abused. I hear it all the time. Jesus said to just have a childlike faith. I need to be like a child. I don't get into that church history and theology and Greek and Hebrew because I'm supposed to have a childlike faith. No, you're not. You're missing the point of what Jesus is saying. You see, throughout the Roman Empire during this time, they often, now Jews were an exception to this, but, but, but most pagans didn't even name their children until they were two or three years old because the infant mortality rate was so high they didn't want to get attached. They wouldn't even give them a name. Little children at that time had no rights, no rights. Today, if a mom or a dad spanks a little kid someplace, they can go to jail for that. They call it assault. Children have rights today. But at this time, they had no rights and they had no authority. What Jesus is saying is, you need to be within the kingdom of God, act as if you have no rights, no authority. The spotlight's not about you. You don't get the spotlight. Only God should get the spotlight. Only Jesus has authority. And we need to keep that in mind. We're all supposed to be servants. And as we're all kind of sheltered in place together, you know, we need to remember that. Be kind to one another. Remember, it's not about you. It's all about Jesus and all of us are simply servants. I've said it many times. There's Jesus and there's everybody else. Now we come to what is one of my favorite, if not my favorite verse in Scripture. I'll tell you why. Luke 9, 51. As the time approached for him to be taken up to heaven, now the NIV says Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. And I don't like that translation. Um, really, it's a quotation from Isaiah 57. And what he's saying is he set his face Toward Jerusalem. This is like uh, how they would describe a gladiator going into the, the Colosseum. This is how they would describe a warrior going into battle. Jesus is going into battle with the forces of darkness on our behalf, and he has set his face to it. Verse 52, and he sent messengers on ahead who went into a Samaritan village to get things ready for him. But the people there did not welcome him because he was heading for Jerusalem. Samaritans had their own way of worship, their own mountain where they worshiped. They despised Jerusalem, and it was vice versa. It was really based on racism, really. And they didn't like the fact that he was going to Jerusalem instead of going to where they worshiped. When the disciples, James and John, saw this, they asked, Lord, do you want us to call down fire from heaven to destroy them? But Jesus turned and rebuked them. And then he and his disciples went on to another village. Since we're all kind of going stir-crazy, I hope no one's going too stir-crazy, but staying busy, I have been listening to a lot of sermons on YouTube and, and so forth. One of my favorite preachers is Dr. Fred Craddock. Meg and I were listening to one of his sermons the other day. And I saw when I was tinkering around this week that he had a commentary on Luke that was on sale at Lagos for three bucks, so I bought it. And he wrote this about the disciples in these stories that we've seen. He says, what these four different parts tell us are the disciples, it reveals that they lacked power, 
verses 37 through 43. They lacked understanding, verses 43 through 45. They lacked humility, verses 46 and 48. And they lacked sympathy, 49 through 50. And Christ rebukes all of these things as servants. But we have no power, and we need to remember that. We are called to have understanding, which is mainly supernatural, humility and sympathy. We need to have that always, but especially with our family members. I can't say that enough. Remember just to be kind to one another. And remember that despite the disciples lacking all these things, despite the fact that they've, they've been with Jesus for roughly three years, and they still don't get it. But growth is hard. Without the Holy Spirit, it's almost impossible. Be kind to one another. We're all, in, we're all in this process. We're all, every single one of us, I don't care how old you are, we're all maturing in Christ. We need to be kind to one another. Verse 57. As they were walking along the road, a man said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, well, foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. He said to another man, follow me. But he replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Still another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Jesus replied, no one puts a hand to the plow and looks back as fit for service in the kingdom of God. I hope what you're seeing in this section of Luke that we're going through is the consistency of this. God is everything. We are servants. And if we keep God at the center of our lives, we actually become better people. But when we put people, especially ourselves, at the center of our lives, we, come what the, we become what the Bible calls idolaters, worshiping a false God. And folks, people make lousy gods. To quote, Dr. Fred Craddock, once again, he wrote, The radical nature of Jesus' words lies in his claim to priority over the best, not the worst, of human relationships. Jesus ne never said to choose him over the devil, but to choose him over the family. And the remarkable thing is that those who have done so have been freed from possession and worship of family and have found the distance necessary to love them. If you put God first, Father, the Son, the Spirit, if that's at the center of your life. And how do you know what's at the center of your life? Well, typically, it's what you think about most. It's what you spend the most money on. It's what you spend the most time on. That's the center of your life. And so you need to ask yourself, what is the center of your life? And the only way I know to make God the center of your life is to pray. To pray as a servant to God and to pray for that supernatural power, that power of the Holy Spirit to come upon you, and that through study and worship and prayer and good deeds, caring for others, especially our church family, that that puts God at the center so that we can have understanding and humility and sympathy, grace and love, all those things things that are hard to come by these days. And we need to remember this, especially at this time. It is true that Jesus was fully human as well as fully divine. 
I am not saying that the Jesus that went to the cross is just some kind of window dressing, some kind of, you know, just a body that something inhabited. No, that's it's not, not it. But what the disciples get to see on the mountaintop is Jesus as he is on his throne. And we need to remember a couple things this week. Well, always, really. One, Jesus is on his throne. God is in command. Go read Romans 8, 28. All things work for good of those who have faith in Jesus Christ. We'll get through this. But the way to thrive, if we can, in this time, is to remember that Jesus is Lord. The disciples got to see that, though they didn't understand it. But he is also the Lord who sets his face to Jerusalem to die in our place for our sins, to save us from the judgment we deserve. And we need to keep both of those things in mind in order to be closer to God, to get through this time, to thrive during this time, to love each other during this time. The one who has a throne, the only throne, set his face to die for you and me, and he knew your name and face before the world was even made. Put your faith in that. Put your faith in that. I believe in science. I believe in medicine. I'm thankful for it. Be smart during this time. But take this time. Redeem this time. Read Scripture. Pray. Worship. Learn. Grow. Love. Be kind to one another. And we'll get through this. And we'll be back together again. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you that you gave your Son, Lord of the universe, who to look upon him in his true state is like looking at lightning. And yet he came, no new hunger, new temptation, new betrayal, to go to the cross to save us from the penalty we deserve. But he is Lord. You are God. You are in control. May we keep both of these things in mind. And may your spirit just pervade every single person of this church that they grow closer and closer to you, that we grow in understanding, we grow in humility, we grow in sympathy as we grow closer to you. And may we just care for each other. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Folks, thanks for tuning in. Um, as Dad said, we will open the building every day, so you can drop off uh, your tithes, checks only, please. You guys have been very generous, by the way. Or you can go give online, or you can just mail your tithe via snail mail, uh, P.O. Box 649, Portsmouth, Ohio. And it's Christ's uh, Community Church. It belongs to him. Uh, it's not Christ Community Church. It's Christ's uh, uh, Community Church. But you can send those checks in there. You have been. We appreciate that. A lot of people have given money and said, if anybody needs anything. If you need anything within reason, we will try to do it. Just let us know. I've been trying to call as many people, reach out to as many people. I encourage you to do the same. Just call people, text people, message people in our church. We have a lot of people who, they're doing fine physically, but they're lonely. They're just lonely. Check in on them. We're family. God bless you. God goes with you. We'll get through this. 
See you next time. Christ Community Church, located at 25th and Thomas Avenue in Portsmouth, Ohio. Christ Community meets on Saturday at 5 p.m. and Sunday at 10.30 a.m. For more information, visit www.christcommunity.net or check out our Facebook page.